0: walking with jesus serving with love and sharing with courage welcome to the pecan podcast It is Pastor Courtney Ellis here with another episode of the PCOM Podcast. It is so good to be with you. And special thanks, as always, to Jeff Given, our director of the Awake Service, who did last week's episode. If you missed it, it was delightful, and you can find it um, the same place you found this episode. Usually, if you just scroll down or scroll up, if you missed an episode, it will be there for you. We are entering a series, a few weeks on prayer. We are going to talk about what it is to pray, what it means to pray, different ways to pray. I think many of us tend to fall into a rut with our prayers or start to believe that we have to say certain words for it to count as a prayer But the older I get and the more time I spend reading the Psalms and talking to folks who have been walking with Jesus for many, many years, the broader my sense of prayer becomes. I think cooking a beautiful meal can be a prayer. I think going for a walk or a run where you pound out your frustration and your anxiety can be a type of prayer anywhere we connect with God can be a kind of prayer. And as I thought about how to frame this series that we're entering, I wanted to share with you a a poem that has reinvigorated my understanding of prayer. And this is a poem written by A writer friend of mine, he is a journalist. He lives in Missouri with his wife and son. His name is Eric Danielson. And he was a guest on our podcast, uh, middle of our daily prayer podcast, where he talked about journalism and what it is to tell the truth as a person of faith in the public sphere and how to lift up people's stories. But I found out recently that he is a poet as well. He sent me one of his poems that was about taking single service communion and the little plastic cup and the little wafer. And um, I said, Do you have any others? I would love to read more of your poetry. And he sent me a link to this poem, and it is so profoundly thoughtful. And I could think of no better way to begin our series on prayer and reimagining what prayer can be and freeing our souls to commune with God, to pray continually as scripture tells us, than by framing it with Eric's poem. He was gracious enough to send me an audio file, so this is Eric reading the poem in his own voice.
1: Hi, this is Eric Danielson, and I'll be reading my poem, Prayer Language originally published in Fathom magazine. Prayer language. A buddy asked about the condition of my prayer life. I had no idea what to tell him. So while my mouth hung slightly open, I reviewed my memories of the past 24 hours. I wrote a thousand words yesterday, hopeful one would find a friend. It's always okay to ask for help, I told my son, pouring concrete, between our present and future selves. My head bobbed in time to a song by The National. I even played B minor, G, D, A on my air guitar. Then I flinched when the singer promised not to ruin everything. My eyes traced the contours of a Scott Cairns poem, then closed in worship to read between the lines. I challenged every father's fear of failure to an arm wrestling match, then exclaimed, Jesus, both an expletive and an appeal for strength. I stared at the thumbnail of a Rothko painting and memorized the blue. I scrubbed my bare arms and chest with green soap, baptizing another day's shame and watching it cascade down the drain. Using soft kisses to plot points, I drew a map of my wife's collarbone, then leaned back to examine the legend. Over the course of the day, I sighed something like 32 times. I pray without ceasing, I told my friend, and considered the matter settled.
0: I so love and appreciate Eric's conclusion, especially of that poem where he references 1 Thessalonians and the Apostle Paul's instruction to pray continually. Some translations say pray without ceasing, that everything we do in our lives, we We hear in this poem that he tends to his son and their relationship and the emotional aspect of their relationship and to his wife with these physical kisses on her collarbone and to himself with a shower at the end of the day and music and art. And that all of these things, when we live our lives before God, become acts of prayer. You may have heard the phrase, all truth is God's truth. We talked about it in our faith and science series here on the podcast, that biological truth is God's truth and truth in chemistry, truth in medicine. It is all God's truth. And when we walk with the Lord and begin to reframe our prayer life as a life of constant prayer, it brings this awareness of the presence of God into our lives, that washing the dishes can be an act of prayer, that soothing a child who scraped a knee can be an act of prayer, that hugging a neighbor after a long year where it wasn't safe to hug a neighbor can be an act of prayer. Daryl and I, the day we went to get our COVID vaccines, felt that this was this was a holy endeavor to take part in something for the common good. Um, and to receive this dose of vaccine into our bodies as an act of hope and expectant faith and an act of worship for the God who has called us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Anything we do when we do it in faith and in hope can be an act of prayer So I am not saying that you should give up your normal prayer life or prayer rhythms, the Dear Gods and the Amens and the Lord's Prayer and the liturgical prayers that we offer in our worship services, but I am saying that our understanding of prayer can be deeper and richer and broader than that. And when we we begin to broaden that definition, we begin to commune with God in deeper and more consistent ways. If we believe that we need, uh, you know, twenty minutes in silent prayer or twenty minutes in in specific prayer, I was taught um, as a child. I was taught the ACTS model for prayer: you adore God, you confess your sins, you thank God, and then there's a time of supplication. ACTS, where you ask God for what you want. And I followed that really rigidly for years, and. It's a good model. It's important in our life of prayer that we think about worship and confession and thanksgiving and not just God. Can I, God, give me? Um, But also it kind of trapped me a bit. I felt as though um, I couldn't just pour out my soul before God. However, I found myself on a given morning. And that is why I love Eric's poem, and that is why I'm so drawn to the Psalms, these prayers that are messy and complicated and filled with emotion, where the psalmist cries out to God, the depths of his soul are on full display, the joy, the sadness, the anguish, the happiness, the frustration, the rage, the terror... If we are to pray without ceasing, then our prayers cannot all be tidy and buttoned up. Some of them will be very raw. Sometimes we pray with our feet. We go on a walk. We go on a run. We head out on the exercise bike. We pray with our hands, gardening, washing dishes, hugging, taking care of one another, cooking a meal. All of our lives can be lives of prayer. So my question for you on this podcast Tuesday, or whenever you are listening, whenever you are joining us is, what are the ways that you pray best? And prayer is not a competition. There's no, well, you got an A-minus today, but there are ways we tend to connect with God more readily than others. And if you are a person of words, maybe it is saying your prayers explicitly, dear God, amen. I often journal my prayers. I find that it's helpful to put pen to paper and scratch out some thoughts that I'm not worried about anyone reading later. They're just between me and the Lord. They don't need to make sense. Sometimes I doodle my prayers. But what works for you? Are you a prayer walker? Are you a prayer gardener? Often at the end of the day, Daryl and I will sigh, which I now know can be an act of prayer and look at each other and look at the messy kitchen and say, okay, like we're going to tackle it together. And we go into the kitchen together and we wash the dishes and it becomes this act of prayer of readying ourselves for the next day of connecting with each other, of remembering what God has done in our day. And it's a time of prayer, not because it starts with dear God and ends with amen, but because there is intention behind it to open ourselves up to the things of the Lord And that essentially is what prayer is, is it's going before God and saying, God, I'm here, and I love you, and I'm listening, and here's where I'm at. I'm going to bear my soul, bear my heart, ask you for help. Anne Lamott, the wonderful Presbyterian irreverent author, Anne Lamott, says the two prayers she prays most often are, help me, help me, help me, and thank you, thank you, thank you. And there is beauty to that, to realizing we don't have to perform for God before God will appear before us in helpful presence. But we can simply come as we are and cry out right where we are. I would, I would be devastated if one of my children fell off the swing in the backyard and felt like they had to say, "Mommy, you know I'm so sorry I didn't make my bed and I didn't put my shoes away as you asked, but I'm actually in a lot of pain. So um, if it wouldn't be too much trouble, can you help me and find the band aids?" I would want my child to fall off that... Well, I wouldn't want them to fall off the swing, but if they fell off the swing, I would want them to know they could cry out in that moment, and I would run to their side. And it didn't matter that they hadn't made their bed or put their shoes away or were just bothering their sister. We can cry out as we are, where we are. I have found throughout this most difficult and unusual year that there have been times when I have run out of words. And for a season, my prayer life felt very dry because the words were gone. I wasn't able to journal. I wasn't able to write. That's usually a sign of of trouble in my life. I process a lot of my life through writing, um, whether that's journaling or my column or my books. And I wasn't able to write. The words were just gone. They were just gone. And that is when I began prayer walking in earnest. And I would lace up my shoes every day. Daryl would be working from home or the kids would be napping and I would grab that hour or it'd be after the sun went down and I would go for a walk and I would just let my feet do the praying. And sometimes there were words involved. God, I don't know how to navigate this season. Give me wisdom. Give me hope. Give me strength. God, I'm so tired. God, this has been such a difficult season for friendships, for family relationships. Things are complicated and fraught and politically charged, but more often I would just walk and I would look at what was blooming and I would see the sunset and I would watch the dogs in the neighborhood being their doggy selves. I would look for the birds and God would meet me there with this peaceful presence of it's okay. You're not alone. You are loved. I am here. My friend Keith is a pastor in in Illinois, and he said that often when he really started just listening prayer in earnest, sitting before the Lord and saying, God, I'm here, I'm waiting, I'm available, he was shocked because he expected God to be disappointed in him. He's like, you know, I never live up to my own standards, and I'm a person who continually falls into sin, and God's like, Really, again, we're doing this? And he expected God to be disappointed patient, but frustrated. And he was shocked to find God so tender and so kind and so available. And that almost always what he found in these sessions of listening prayer was that God would meet him first with this deep and abiding love. Keith, I love you. You are loved. You are seen. You are valuable. You are here with me. I see you and I love you. And isn't that all that we need? Isn't that all that we need is to be seen and loved and known? And a Wheaton professor named Mark Lewis, he was a communications theater professor who used to always say, in God, you are fully known and fully loved. In Christ, you are fully known and you are fully loved. And we don't confuse this with you're fully known and fully loved and you're perfectly fine just as you are, right? That is also not true. God loves us so much. God calls us into greater wholeness and transformation and healing and growth, but we are fully known and fully loved. And because God fully loves us and fully knows us, God knows how to call us into greater growth and transformation and health and wholeness. That is the gospel, friends. We are the image bearers of God, fully known and fully loved. And God meets us in prayer with this great abiding love, oceans of love, waves of love. When I was a student at Wheaton College, I spent a year volunteering at a children's hospital in downtown Chicago. It was me and a bunch of pre-med students. I was not a pre-med student, but it seemed like a cool thing to be able to do to go to this children's hospital and just love on these kids who often had been there for weeks or months. And sometimes I'd get to play bed basketball with some of the older kids and things like that. But most often what these hospitals really needed were volunteers to come in and hold the babies, rock the babies, talk to the babies, babies with chronic illness who had been in the hospital for a long time, often their parents their parents were there every moment they could be, but they had had to go back to work. So there were long stretches where it would just be the nurse and a few babies. And so I would go into these hospital rooms and I would rock these babies. And if you know me, you know, I'm not really a baby person. I love our children and, you know, I love the children of our church, but I'm not the person who volunteers in the nursery. I do well with college students and above, um, and so it was kind of surprising that I found myself there, but I I would hold these babies and I would rock them and I would think, you know, it probably would help them to hear some music. Maybe I can sing something to them. And I was a little self-conscious because nurses were always in and out and I didn't know a lot of songs that were good for babies. I hadn't had my babies yet, but what would always come to me were hymns. And I'll never forget one afternoon, it was late, it was Chicago winter, the sun was setting and you could see the snow out the windows and I was rocking this baby, this dear, dear baby. Her name was Destiny and she had been there for months. Destiny and I had gotten well acquainted. She had never opened her eyes. She had never responded to me, Um, but I would hold her and I would rock her and I was rocking her and I was singing the hymn, Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. And this song sounds like the ocean. It sounds like the waves on the ocean. So it was great for rocking. And I was rocking this baby and singing this hymn. And a nurse came in from the hallway and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, is this okay? Am I being too loud? And she said, you know, you just keep singing these songs of Jesus over these babies. It's what they need the most. And that that hymn, those songs began, be- became my prayer for these babies that many of them were were not responsive they were suffering from all sorts of really really terrible chronic conditions but that they would know deeply in their spirit in their soul of the love of jesus vast unmeasured boundless free rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. This is why God calls us into prayer, into a life of prayer, so that we can experience this love, know of this love, feel this love, live in this love. Is there anything better? Is there anything that we need more? Is there anything that the world needs more? Maybe your musical. And you've never thought of your your singing or your piano playing or your violin studies as an act of worship, but they are. They are. Maybe you can connect with God in musical prayer. So for the next few weeks, we're going to focus on different types of uncommon prayer practices. We're going to move from the standard Dear God and Amen into different types And opportunities and invitations of prayer. But for our introductory episode today, I just wanted to open the doors a bit so that you could look out and see what is out there on the landscape. What do you love to do? When do you feel most connected to God? Eric Liddell, that famous famous Olympic runner, used to say that when he ran, he felt God's pleasure. When do you feel God's pleasure and know of God's love for you when do you come most fully alive and how can you offer that act as an act of worship as an opportunity for prayer jeff given in past podcast episodes has talked about breath prayer where you breathe with your your ins and outs of breath and this can be a wonderful practice as well Rob Bell, who um, I know has, has fallen from more orthodox circles of Christianity, uh, but we used his video series, gosh, 15 years ago, Daryl and I, when we were leading a college group, um, when he was still a little bit more, uh, more orthodox in his teachings. And I will never forget one of his videos, he talked about um, the Old Testament name of God, which written in Hebrew are the letters Yod, Che, Vav, Che. And those letters were also used for breath sounds. And he drew the connection to the sounds of our breath being us saying the name of God, the name Jehovah the name um, sometimes written out as Yahweh. If you see it in your in your Bible, in, in the Old Testament portions of your Bible, it will say the Lord and it will be all capital letters. That is wherever this name of God, this name for God was used. It was so holy that to write it, scribes would have to get new ink, a new pen or quill. They would have to change their clothes. They would have to bathe. It was that serious. The name of God was so holy. You could only write it. In a clean way, um, but Rob Bell made the connection that this, this was, this name of God is basically the sounds of us breathing in and breathing out. And as long as we have breath, we are praying. Every human being on the planet who is breathing in and breathing out, unbeknownst to them, is saying the name of God. And just like Eric's sighs as a prayer. In his poem that started this podcast, I think often of this idea that even our very breath, our very breath is an act of worship. It's an act of prayer. So my friends, if you are listening to this podcast today thinking, I am not good at prayer, you have been breathing your whole life and you are very good at that. So take heart. We are going to go farther up and further in in our lives of prayer And for this week, my invitation to you is just to look at your life with new eyes, with fresh eyes. When do you feel connected to God? Maybe your morning commute and noticing the changes in the weather. Maybe it's late at night when you tuck into bed and feel those crisp sheets on your bare feet. Let's think of our lives with these fresh eyes, this new perspective that all that we do can be an act of prayer and an opportunity to be loved. I'll be back with you next week, friends. Many, many thanks to Eric Danielson for sharing just um, not only his poem, but also his poetic voice with us here. I will link to this poem where it was published originally early in 2020 in the show notes if you would like to read it as well. And if you're not familiar with Fathom Magazine where it was published, it is a lovely and thoughtful and really just winsome some place full of wonderful Christian poets and essayists and um, can't recommend it highly enough. So I will link to that as well. It's all free and it's all online. All right, friends, I'll be with you again next week. And until then, take care, be well, and God bless.